Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for season two of Data in Depth, the podcast exploring data and its role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Today, we are joined by Bastian Huang. Bastian is the product owner for Ocero. Welcome, Bastian. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's my pleasure to be here. Likewise. So a lot of really great topics that we want to dive into today, but if you don't mind just giving some brief background about yourself and also about Asaro. Sure. Um, so I'm currently leading machine learning-based robotic vision product strategy and development at Osaro. Osaro is a San Francisco-based startup building machine learning software for robotic vision and control, mostly in warehouses and factories. I personally have 10 years of experience in technology and automation particularly in the area of artificial intelligence and Internet of Things. I'm super passionate about machine learning and its impact on human society. So I also speak and write about machine learning and future of work on VentureBeat, Harvard Business Review, and my personal medium outside work. I also started a AI and ML product manager community in San Francisco to bring together hundreds of machine learning professionals from companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon, Waymo to share challenges and best practices of building machine learning products it's because the area is so nascent. Um, so we want to encourage more discussion to talk about the unique challenges of building machine learning products. And Prior to Osaro, I worked on product and business development for machine vision sensors and cameras, worked for Amazon Alexa as a senior product manager, and scaled a video recognition software business from scratch. At Harvard Business School, I wanted to switch from big companies to startups to really focus on prioritizing frontier technologies like machine learning, and that's why I reached out to Derek Primor, who is the CEO and co-founder of Osaro. Awesome. So a a very diverse background for sure, with a lot of underlying themes around machine learning and artificial intelligence, which we'll we'll dive into here in a little bit. So uh, maybe you can explain a little bit about Ocero. So you mentioned it's a startup and you mentioned it's in this space and and maybe you can kind of hit on some of the industry challenges that you're seeing and why you feel like now is a a great time for a a company like Ocero to start pioneering some of this information. Sure. So right now, machine learning or deep learning reinforcement learning are really um, buzzwords that are used in, in many different places. Um, sure. But Osara is really uniquely positioned as a pioneer in deep learning and reinforcement learning. Um, it started working on deep learning and reinforcement learning back in 2015 when the company was founded. So Derek, uh, who's currently the CEO, he was working for uh, Pierre Thiel at Founders Fund and he met with DeepMind, led the Series B of DeepMind. And after a year, after DeepMind got acquired by Google in 2014, he went on to start his own company, which is Asaro. So since the beginning of the company, we've been very focusing on productizing deep learning and reinforced learning. So unlike a lot of other machine learning companies, we know we're not here to uh, publish more papers or do more research. We're really here to try to turn the latest research in machine learning into real-world products with actual value to customers. So we very much focus on products that can deliver true value. We specialize in AI-defined robotics for factory and warehouse automation. 
And our mission is to build machine learning software that enables robots to learn and adapt to changes in the environment. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So essentially, it sounds like Ocero is bringing together not only the technology, but also the industry experts and this productization that's occurring right now is really what we're going to start diving into. So why is it important to bridge this gap between the technologies and expertise around this? And then more specifically, what are some of the applications that that this is going to start providing value for in these industries? Sure. Um, So machine learning or deep learning has been around for uh, at least two decades. Um, but it has recently become very popular because of all the um, breakthrough we've seen over the past few years. Um, but if you pay attention to all the breakthrough, you'll see that it's mostly academic achievements, like mm-hmm. being able to build a machine learning system that can um, beat humans in Go or video games. But those are not actual products that deliver real-world values. Um, and to actually build a real-world product, you need to be able to bridge the two groups, uh, the technologists and domain experts. So us at Osara, we know a lot about the technology, a lot about deep learning, reinforced learning, but also transfer learning, uh, the latest uh, research results. Um, but we don't necessarily know what are the different use cases in warehouse, in factory, or in restaurant industries. Um, there are also a group of domain experts who know a lot about their individual field and are really interested in introducing machine learning to their individual industries, but they don't know how to start. Um, so we really need more people who are able to speak the language of both groups mm-hmm. and make sure that they bridge the gap, understand a lot about the user experiences and use cases in different industry, but also understand the technology enough to know that if this is really feasible, which use cases should we start first? So that's uh, a lot of things I'm doing as a product manager at Osaro, but also a lot of things that Osaro as the entire company is working on. Um, and to your second question about how machine learning enables robots to do different things. So robots have already been used in factories, um, manufacturing facilities, especially automotive fa- manufacturing facilities for many, many years. It's a very mature industry. But most of the traditional robots are programmed to perform the same task over and over again with high speed and high position. Mm -hmm. They can't really deal with any changes or surprises. So even if there's a small change in the process, switch to a new component or even just move the component to the left by 10 centimeters, you need someone else to come in and reprogram the robot. You need engineering efforts to actually change uh, the process. Uh, you also need surrounding systems like feeders, conveyor belt, or shaker table to make sure that the components are delivered to a robot at the right place, right angle, every time. So the robot knows how to deal with it. So it's not a very flexible scenario. So what we're doing is to use machine learning to allow robots to react to changes in the environment, learn to handle a wide range of different items, a wide range of different tasks, and more importantly, to learn all these tasks with minimum human supervision. Mm-hmm. So in this way, you can really save a lot of um, human costs. You can really save on a lot of the surrounding system, like the conveyor belt I just mentioned. These kind of surrounding systems are usually more than four to five times of, of a robot cost. So it's really significant. And um, lastly, it also enables robots to be used in new use cases. 
For example, you don't really see robot arms being used in warehouses right now because a typical warehouse has millions of different products and it's not feasible to program a robot to be able to deal with a million different products in a million different ways. Um, so now, because of machine learning, robots can be used in this kind of less structured um, environments with much more varieties and more complex tasks. And we do see a lot of potential with this kind of machine learning enabled robotics in different industries. Yeah, I think one of the, the key points that you highlighted in there that, that always resonates with me is so when you think about manufacturing, bringing in automation, the goal is to improve processes, increase quality, and kind of have that robot perform those consistent tasks. But then to your point, where that kind of gets derailed is any changes in the environment or changes in the, the product that's now coming down the, the conveyor belt or things like that, then it in essence requires reprogramming and either a dependency on external resources because they may not have the skill sets internally uh, at the manufacturing plant to, to make those changes. And so then when you factor all that in, the, the automation becomes less attractive to a certain extent. And so what I'm really intrigued by, and, and I'm looking forward to, to conversing more about this, is, is some of these use cases and, and examples of where this machine learning is going to essentially become the future of, of how we start looking at, at automation within these different industries. Mm-hmm. So, Bastian, maybe you can talk to another common issue that comes up, the human workforce versus the robotic workplace and the dynamics around that and, and how you all at Asario are, are factoring that in and, and considering that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, in our view, this kind of AI-enabled robots are really designed to augment humans, so workers can be freed up from reparative or physically demanding tasks and focus on tasks that require higher skills or deliver higher value. So take warehouse automation as an example. We now have robotic picking system in three continents to do automated grocery fulfillment. So the robot can automatically recognize and pick dry food or produce, even though each eggplant might be different uh, in terms of shape and size. Um, but the robots can recognize a wide range of items with minimum human teaching or supervision. Um, right now, if when you go to a lot of ultra-media warehouses, you still see a lot of workers standing there, and for the entire day, it's basically picking items from one box to the other box. And it's really reparative and really boring and, and mm-hmm. basically pushing workers to their physical limits. That's why the turnover rate in warehouses is really high, at rate of 14%. And a lot of countries are also facing labor shortage. We have a lot of customers in countries like Japan and Germany. Uh, the aging population is really a serious issue. So for example, Japan's population is expected to shrink by 24% by the year 2025. And their working age population is expected to shrink at an even faster pace than its overall population. And right now, the average age of Japan's farmer is already 70 years old. So it's not an issue that's happening in the future. It's an issue that's happening right now. So that's why we start to help this customer to automate part of their task in their facilities step by step. Um, and we also see more companies start to take actions. Like, for example, Amazon has always been a major driving force behind the warehouse automation and same-day delivery. Last year, they announced a $700 million plan to, trans, um, to turn its workers into highly skilled jobs. And we think more companies will follow and do the same thing. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I agree 100% that this retraining is going to be needed and that 
the automation and the, the robots that we're referring to uh, need to work in harmony with the humans on the shop floor as well. What's interesting that you guys are probably seeing, obviously, with COVID and this pandemic that, that's going on, we're seeing a, a lot of manufacturers and just supply chain industry as a whole accelerating their digital transformations and, and automations at such a, a ridiculous pace right now because this is the, the new reality of, of what's setting in. And so you see examples of factories having to shut down because of, of a case of coronavirus being discovered and, and potentially in the future. Uh, I think it'll be less dramatic impacts uh, of things like this if you're augmenting or, or building these factories of the future that are essentially built to withstand and, and withhold any of these real world challenges that, that often get presented. Yeah, for sure. I think we've seen a surge in demand on our customer side, especially because right now a lot of them need to run the automated warehouses 24 hours a day and seven days a, right. a week. Um, and that definitely uh, poses a challenge for this kind of AI-enabled robotics um, because um, this is still a relatively new technology compared to other kind of automation technologies in factories and, auto- uh, and warehouses. So um, a lot of companies, they're still in pilot stage or proof of concept, but now certainly has to enter a full production and then no one can enter there to fix the machine from time to time. So I think on one hand, COVID-19 really drives companies to rethink their supply chain and automation, but it also drives uh, AI companies like us to focus more on building robust systems. So it's not just about performance metrics like how fast can the robot run, uh, how accurate can it be, but also uh, how many human intervention does it require per week. Um, Because even if you have a super fast self-driving delivery robot, if it has to stop every 15 minutes or every one hour, then it's not actually delivering a lot of value to its customers. So I think we're actually in a very interesting transition period because um, from now on, AI research is not just about eye-dazzling demos um, for customers. It has to work in real world Mm -hmm. and it has to be very robust. So it's not just about machine learning. It's also about integration with the surrounding system. It's about software, hardware integration. It's also about user experience, uh, error handling. If there's an error, how do you notify users? And how do you help users to do troubleshooting remotely? Um, so we're uh, really excited for this transition. Um, and we also think there are a lot of opportunities. So there's actually a McKinsey report. They rank industry by their potential to be automated. So they identified a few industry with high gifts potential to be automated. There are industries like accommodation and food services, warehouse, logistics, and manufacturing. So in our, in our opinion, warehouse automation is really just a starting point. It's kind of like a low-hanging fruit, it's um, relatively more structured environment, and, um, and the tasks are simpler, uh, but it's really just a start. Um, as the technology improves in terms of its accuracy, in terms of its adaptability and generality, we believe this kind of machine learning technology can be used in a lot more industries like factories or food processing, etc. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
So maybe can you describe a little bit more about some of the use cases around maybe Asaro Vision and and maybe the food or supply chain industry? Is there, is there anything that you can kind of talk to you about a, a problem that you guys have encountered and then how you applied some of the specific technologies to solve that problem? Sure. Um, so in addition to the grocery fulfilling example I just talked about uh, in warehouses, we also help our customers to identify a wide range of different components and warehouses and factories. So um, for example, we can help um, food packaging factory to identify 20 different transparent bottles and then pick the bottles from a jumbo bin oriented and then place it onto a packaging machine. Then uh, the bottles can then be filled, labeled and kept uh, later on in the packaging machine. So the most difficult part is really to be able to pick this kind of items from a jumbo bin. If it's already being separated on the conveyor belt, then it's actually very easy for machine vision cameras mm-hmm. to identify. You don't really need that much machine learning. A traditional machine vision camera can do the job. Um, so we're helping our customers to address the toughest challenge, which is to pick items from a jumbo bin. Uh, we also work with restaurant customers to pick sauce packets, um, chopsticks, and noodles, and then place all of them into a container in the right orientation and direction. So this packet of hot pot can be sent to their customers. Interesting. So. Before we sign off today, it would be great if you can share any last thoughts of where you see the future of this industry evolving and more specifically where you guys are spending uh, your time and energy as Asaro continues to evolve. Sure. I think the macro trend is that the labor costs will continue to go up and aging population is continue to be a more and more serious issue in many countries. And then we also see hardware costs like robot costs and camera costs to continue to go down. So it makes more and more sense for people to use automation in different countries. We started with countries with the highest labor costs like Japan or Germany, United States. But gradually we can expand our technology to other countries like Southeast Asia, China, etc. And in terms of industry, we started with warehouse automation because it's easier um, use cases and warehouse automation system integration, there's, they're also very motivated to further automate their process because they're facing a lot of competition uh, from companies like Amazon mostly. So this is an industry we think is a very good starting point. Customers are familiar with robotic technology and they are willing to try different technology. There are other industries that have a lot of potential for automation, but customers are not necessarily aware of robotic or machine learning technologies like restaurants or food processing. These are t- these tend to be more traditional industries that probably take more time for customer education to onboard new customers. But these are uh, our future focus too, in addition to factory automation. Uh, so we're talking to a lot of factory machinery system integrators factories and also cosmetics companies, food companies to help them address different use cases. Very cool. Well, we really appreciate you spending the time to educate us a a little bit more about 
uh, not only Osaro, but where you see the, the industry going. I, I definitely think that machine learning and deep learning and, and automation, we have this perfect storm that's going on right now to where that education and the technology is, is catching up. And, and more importantly, some of these macro trends that you just described are, are taking effect. So it should be some exciting times over the, the next decade as it relates to these technologies and look forward to reading up more and, and seeing uh, Osaro's journey as you guys start tackling this more and more. Thank you so much. For those that are listening, if you'd like to learn more about Osaro and their solutions, I'd encourage you to visit www.osaro.com. That's O-S-A-R-O.com. And if you'd like to connect with Bastian, we'll be sure to provide links to her information as well as Osaro's in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the episode and subscribe to Data In Depth, available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you might listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us today. Data In Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.